You're listening to Foresight, a podcast about making work better. I'm your co-host, Mark Edgar, a former consultant and coach who now works as a chief people officer on a mission to make work more human. And I'm Naomi Teitelman, a former big firm consultant and HR executive, now striving to make work better one organization and one leader at a time. Every week, we'll discuss the latest trends that are impacting the new world of work to help you be a better leader for the future. Welcome to Foresight, a podcast about making work better. My name is Mark Edgar, and as always, joined by my wonderful co-host, Naomi Teitelman. Hi, everyone. How are you, Naomi? Good, thanks. How are you, Mark? Doing pretty good, thank you. Doing pretty good. So at the risk of kind of jumping into stuff, today we have a topic which was to talk about bossware. Bossware, ooh. Sounds, sounds sinister, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, it sounds scary. Maybe the way you just said it, it's like bossware. <laughs> you want to hear like bossware, do-do-do, very ominous. Exactly. Before we do that, let's do a check-in. Do you have a check-in question for us? Yeah. So let's keep it light and airy today. Where? Let's check in on where we've been in the world, Mark, because we haven't really talked much about that. So let's go with where is the most beautiful place you have ever visited? Hmm. That's a good question. I wouldn't claim that I've been that worldly traveled, actually. So I haven't been to that many places beyond some of the usual spots in maybe Europe and North America. So lots of opportunity to do that in my future, I sense. But the most beautiful spot I've visited, I think, is a place in Cornwall, which is actually in the UK. So kind of closer to home or original home. And Cornwall is on the bit that kind of sticks out at the bottom of the UK. And it's pretty remote. It's got a pretty wonderful coastline. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things to do is walk around that coastline and there's some pretty beautiful sights that you see there. So that's what my spot would be. What about you? So I I had to actually, in my head, choose between a few, but I will go with the Whitsunday Islands in Australia was the most beautiful place I've ever visited. So Hmm. the sand is like snow. It kind of squeaks underneath your feet. It's so white and fine. And the water is just so beautiful there. And it's pretty remote and lots of great coral reef there. So back in the day when I was adventurous enough to snorkel and explore marine life and not worry about kind of stepping on coral or being bitten by any fish, I explored it and it was was really a sight to see. It's amazing that that exists on our earth. What's it called again? It's called the Whitsunday Islands in Australia. Yeah, it's beautiful. Very beautiful. Nice. Yeah, so I'd you, like to get back there someday. I hope I hope I would be adventurous enough to explore the under under the sea life again. So did something happen that made you stop doing that? Because you, I mean, you you go to places near the sea every year when you can. <laughs> I think becoming a mother happened. Uh, okay, just the sense of responsibility. <laughs> yeah, now. the sense of responsibility. I don't know. I think I think about you know my family and growing up and. The way our parents just let us frolic in these massive waves in Massachusetts and, you know, how many times we kind of got towed under and bravo to you, mom and dad, because now I just want to throw a life jacket on my kids whenever they're in the ocean. But I digress. Interesting. Yeah, probably for another topic in terms of how parenting has changed for sure. Yes, exactly. Absolutely. So actually a good segue to bossware. Yeah, yeah. The way that you are monitoring the kind of productivity of your and the safety of your children, maybe. Yeah. 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 For sure. So yeah. So let's talk about bossware. So this, I think, it's important to say that it's a topic that we haven't either. I don't think kind of experienced directly. It's you know either as somebody who's introduced bossware or or somebody who's 
you know, been on the receiving end of Bossware, but it's something that's certainly been written about a lot. And one of those, yet another one of those themes that's come up from as a result of how our ways of working have changed in the last couple of years. But what we thought was helpful is we'll just, we'll tee it up a little bit. There was a, a recent case that was a bit of an instigator for this conversation. We'll tee up and give a bit of background too. And then just talk it through, kind of provide a bit of our perspective around the, the topic and what the watch outs are when it comes to things like Bossware and just explore a little bit about where it came from because it feels like one of those interesting things that I wonder actually whether it has been around for a long time already. We're just calling it something else. So, so that's where we'll head today. Sound good? Sounds great. Sounds great. So it, it, probably the key thing is, you know, we, we love the term, these terms Bossware. Other ways in which I've heard it be called is workplace spyware, which I thought was even more sinister than busware, and yes. also the idea of tattleware. So tattleware, mm. I thought it's like tittle-tattle, which I thought was kind of trivializes it a little bit, which I thought was actually quite fun. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like tattletailing on, yeah, exactly. on yourself, really, because I guess you're, you know, being watched by bossware and the bossware tells on you, I guess, or the tattleware tells on you. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. It's, I think whatever term we come up with, it's not, none of them seem particularly positive, which I think would align a little bit with our kind of perceptions of it. But the the interesting case that I referred to, I'll put a link to this in the, the show notes. So this was just the beginning of January, actually. So it wasn't that long ago. It's Canadian case that actually just went through a civil court. And essentially the individual, the employee in this case was ordered to pay $2,700, which essentially related to the fact that they were found to have engaged in this thing called time theft. Mm. So not theft of product or theft of stationery or anything, but in this case, time theft, which I have to admit I hadn't come up with before. But essentially, it was evidence that came through from, from spyware, from bossware, that showed that this individual hadn't necessarily been working as thoroughly as they should have done, let's say. And the the tribunal, I'm just going to quote a little bit from it, but in the tribunal notes, they said, time theft in the employment context is viewed as a very serious form of misconduct, given that trust and honesty are essential to any employment relationship, particularly in a remote work environment where direct supervision is absence. I find the individual misconduct led to irreparable breakdown of her employment relationship and that dismissal was proportionate in the circumstances. So I find that the company had just cause to terminate her employment. So I thought it was quite interesting whether she's going to appeal really or not. I don't know, yeah. but but yeah, that's a pretty big deal, isn't it? Wow. So, you know, a few questions come to my mind. Did she know she was being fight on, essentially? And what type of work was it that it's so cut and dry in terms of whether she was actually stealing time from the from the company? Because you and I know that you don't sit around kind of on all the time when you're working remotely or in the office. So I would, th those would be the two first questions that came to my mind. Yeah. So she, she was working as a, for an accounting firm. So she was working remotely for an accounting firm. And I think in my of the case, she was struggling with dealing with some of her projects and files Was a, and, and they told her that they were going to introduce this software and mm. positioned it almost in a way of helping you understand some of our processes, et cetera. And then from there, things kind of really unraveled. So she was on performance improvement plan and and various other things, and it kind of unraveled from there mm. in, in terms of her relationship. But they, they actually dismissed her for cause, which, you know, no legal expert here, so big disclaimer, is you know typically quite unique, as, as we know, in terms of making sure you have the the justification to really terminate with cause. And that's what she appealed against. And th there's more complexity to the case, which people can read in the link to the show notes, but that was the the general essence of it. But yeah, I thought it was a bit bizarre yeah. and a bit strange. 
Yeah, it is a bit bizarre. And, you know, on the one hand, when you talk through what you just talked through in terms of the context, you know, at least they did have evidence and at least they did have proof, which I know is the frustration of many leaders and managers knowing that their employees are milking the system in some cases, right? And kind of those those bad eggs spoil it for everybody else. And then nobody's trusted among the team. So, you know, on the one hand, I'm sure they were very pleased that they had evidence and they could clearly prove that there was time theft involved. Again, a new term for both of us. It's a double T mark. We like our yeah. double letters. But that being said, it still feels very intrusive. It still feels it still feels like it still feels wrong in in many respects. But she did know that she was being spied on, so she had the opportunity to kind of, you know, get her act together and clearly couldn't or didn't want to or whatever the case was. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, I think certainly, the, I mean, the organization reported that as a result of this case and the publicity that it got, their sales in, doubled as a result of wow. just this particular platform. So I'm sure that people would see it as a bit of a kind of a hurrah, uh, you know, thumbs up to having these sorts of systems, but which I think is what you know, makes it interesting as something for us to to talk about because there are obviously all sorts of different sides to it. And so, yeah, I think that's that's the, the kind of reality of, of what we're seeing. But I imagine a number of people who do have this concern that their people aren't being productive are going to think, oh, well, you know, I happen to stumble across this case and look what we could do. We could, you know, we could actually sue our people and get them to repay money for the time that they've stolen, which doesn't feel like a particularly um, kind of generative path for us to walk down, I wouldn't have thought. Yeah, for sure. It doesn't seem like a progressive move in the right direction in terms of all the things we talk about. And from a human-centered leadership perspective, it's definitely not a human-centered way to treat our employees. So it'll be interesting how that evolves because, you know, watch what you wish for in terms of the evolution of technology and what it's capable of doing. I've heard of other technologies that do similar, I mean, related analysis, but I wouldn't say it's as, 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 you know, spy focused, right? So organizational network analysis and the likes language analysis in emails and stuff like that, but not necessarily with the outcome of, you know, catching people for time theft. No, I think, yeah, I think there's all sorts of ways in which we probably do get our work gets monitored, hopefully with us knowing it, you know, it's certainly been a shift for me moving back into using Microsoft Outlook on a regular basis from a work perspective and, and the opportunities that things like Microsoft Viva provide in terms of your know, kind of progressive AI that it's pushing you to to kind of show exactly what you're kind of up to in terms of the way your diaries managed and those sorts of things. But it's very kind of personal and delivered to me, or my understanding is it provides data at the enterprise-wide level, which I think is interesting and useful. Whereas this feels quite different. I mean, this is technology that is either, my understanding is there's different settings. It's potentially measuring your individual kind of keystrokes. It could be measuring whether you, as simple as whether your computer's on or not, whether you're, whether you're logged on in inverted commas, or even tracking the different applications that you're using. So you happen to be in this application, you spend some time in Google and monitoring the website. So there's different levels of how kind of evasive some of this technology is, which I think is another consideration. But at the end of the day, you know, I think the, the term spyware is there for a while in the, for a reason. At the end of the day, you're being spied on, aren't you? 
Yeah. I mean, imagine that technology evolving to the point that it's in our brains, which I know it's already, you know, it's already out there being, being worked on and being tested. And, you know, I, I just think, I just think being so literal about if people are on their computers and, and, and actually typing, then that means that they're being productive, which brings us to our favorite topic of productivity and how to measure it. And it seems like there's quite a discrepancy in terms of, especially if we're talking about a remote environment or hybrid environment, there seems to be a big discrepancy between how employees feel their productivity is going versus how leaders feel their team's productivity is going in this remote and or hybrid world. So Microsoft's Work Trend Index report used the the term productivity paranoia, and which I love. I think that another another double letter, a double another alliteration, yeah. <laughs> another alliteration. But this concept that eighty seven percent of employees feel productive. But 12% of leaders say they have full confidence in their employees, which is obviously a problem and leads to this type of behavior like spyware, like bossware, like micromanagement, like just all the things that we don't expect out of human-centered leaders these days. Yeah, no, exactly. I think that's well said. And yeah, I think in some ways it does feel as though kind of bossware is a symptom of a problem which is much more around how do we actually measure productivity, which feels like a problem we've been wrestling with for Ever, you know, with, yeah, beyond working in some of the you know, maybe more traditional areas where you're able to more objectively measure what the output of a particular job is when it comes to, I don't really like the term, but any sort of form of knowledge worker, I think that's that's become a challenge and you know, the, 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 the struggles leaders often have to set smart objectives and all those sorts of things make it difficult. And, and maybe that's been exaggerated. Maybe that's something that's become more of a something we're more aware of when more people are working in a hybrid or, or remote fashion. But it's concerning, again, that we've reverted to technology. It feels like we've reverted to a very draconian way of actually measuring that rather than thinking about different approaches. Yeah. And I think there's one, there's, again, back to the outcomes, like what do we want to achieve by this software, right? So if it's, to your point about Microsoft's tools where you get it personally delivered to your inbox and it kind of gives you coaching, it gives you messages to coach you in the right direction, that's very different than trying to build a case to get you fired for time theft, right? So right. I think I think the, the, the technology can be very powerful if it's used in the right way and it's a way to scale, you know, some insights that typically you wouldn't even have about yourself, right? Like I, I would love some insights or maybe not about, you know, how many times I open certain apps during the day or, you know, other insights, how many times I, I run over in meetings or whatever the case is. But as soon as that's used as an evaluative measure, I think that's, I think that could be dangerous. It's a little bit about intent. We've touched on a couple of times the, yeah, the your, you being a Pelotonian and I'm thinking about all the kind of data and information you get through Peloton about what your output is and what your performance is. And we use that to you know, kind of make us get better. And in the same way, you know, I think that's perhaps what we think about in terms of some of the other things that are available, things like Microsoft Outlook and Viva and those sorts of things. It's kind of information we can use to, to get better. But the intent doesn't always seem to be that. It's, we, we seem to be misusing it. And as you say, using it more as a punishment than as a way of actually giving people the opportunity to to kind of progress and, and get better. But I think it's interesting for, I mean, I think we're both, our, our natural disposition is to, to be quite anti-bossware and it doesn't feel right. But I'm, I'm going to just challenge us a little bit to to maybe explore if there are any kind of positives here that we're, we, we may be missing. So, you know, is there anything that is a positive thing coming from some of this technology that we ought to 
to kind of think through that that maybe we've we've missed. So anything come to mind for you, for you in that? I'll put the- <laughs> anything positive about being spied on? Yeah, I mean, exactly. I, I'll bring it back to you know how it's being used and whether it's a development opportunity or a performance management stick stick approach, right? So I'm even thinking back to in the in one of the organizations I used to work in, we had a pulse, an annual pulse survey, right? And at the beginning, when we first did the pulse survey, it was used as a performance metric for for leaders. And you you know, you couldn't get a certain rating if you had below a certain level on your pulse scores. And then it was quickly determined that that's not necessarily the best way to get open, honest feedback from teams. If, you know, if there are leaders who who are not, you know, the greatest in certain dimensions, they could easily ask their team to please not be too hard on them or whatever the case is, because it impacts their performance rating and imp- right. Im- impacts their comp, right? So as soon as we took that away and, and, and took away the connection between, you know, the pulse score, which is really meant to be a measure of engagement and a tool for development, leadership development, it just became a lot more, a lot more useful in that way. So, right. so I think, you know, tools are great and they're only they're only useful insofar as that we have a culture of trust and a culture of learning and a culture of openness and trusting that, you know, we're not being evaluated to the point that we're either going to be fired or our compensation is going to be impacted or wherever the case is. So, so again, you know, back to our conversation about Viva, back to our conversation about certain organizational network analysis tools. I think the tools in and of themselves aren't harmful, but it depends in what way you use them and what the outcome is that you're trying to drive. Yeah. That makes sense. So, so almost you? if there's, yeah, I mean, I could see that. It's almost like essentially what they're there to do is trying to improve performance. And so if you're able to kind of take the information and use it in a very positive way, a very progressive way of thinking about developing people and giving them the skills they need. So, I'm, you know, I'd maybe envisage a situation where as a, a remote employee starting with a new organization, you don't actually understand some of the the ways in which things work. Maybe you do a bit of training and then you're actually on the system doing the job and the the kind of bossware or the spyware is able to give you that coaching that says, yeah, rather than going from this screen to that screen, you could have gone from this screen to that screen and you know, kind of improve your efficiency yeah, and your productivity. Sure. That could be yeah. helpful. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. But I'm not sure that's how we're using it. So no, it's, uh, not definitely not in all cases. Definitely not in all cases. It sounds like in this case, certainly not. But you know, it, it could incent the wrong behaviors. In this case, it didn't even incent the the wrong behaviors, right? It sounds like she was given the heads up that this was going to be happening, and she wasn't able to improve her performance. But you know, we've talked about the funny example of you know strapping a mouse to our dog and having them run around during busy hour, uh, as yeah. they like to say. Charlie runs back and forth with his toy during busy hour at five o'clock. And, you know, my boss may think that I'm being super productive at five o'clock at night, but in fact, my mouse is attached to my very busy dog. So, you know, people who want to, to milk the system will figure out a way to, regardless of what type of spyware we put in place. And like I said, it erodes the trust of the people who are actually doing their jobs and it creates a distraction and paranoia that's, I don't think, productive for most employees. Yeah. I think it's, yeah, I think that the term that we've heard for that is around productivity theater. And you know, I love the thought of, of your boss. I know you don't have a boss, but I love the, 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 the idea of your boss seeing this kind of peak of activity at five o'clock and 
like Naomi's had a really quiet day, but she's super busy at five. It's just kind of <laughs> off the scale for that hour there. Exactly. So, what was exactly. she doing? Exactly. It's like the people who try to cheat their Fitbit, right? Like they put yeah. on their Fitbit and then just wave their arm up and down. It's like, really? Are you really accomplishing what you're meant yeah, to exactly. accomplish? <laughs> Kidding yourself. Nobody yeah, else. Exactly. exactly. So yeah, I, th- I think we've we've maybe it's easier to to kind of think through what some of the the downsides are, but that yeah that that link to productivity, that the fact that productivity is so hard to measure, I think. Is is maybe the the root cause that's that's the problem we should be trying to solve rather than yeah. trying rather than thinking about something like bossware as as, as being a s- solution for that because you know I, th- I think there there are obviously negative implications that I would suggest kind of outweigh the you know the potential impact of improving productivity so yeah. and th- those negative implications maybe are obvious but worth maybe just exploring you've used the word trust a lot but certainly that would seem as the the biggest one to me just how that does impact trust you know I, I think back to the recent episode with Leanne where she talked so much about the importance of trust in the the kind of work relationship and surely being spied upon is kind of the, the best way to to really ensure that that trust isn't going to exist I'd have thought yeah absolutely and just knowing that someone's kind of looking over your shoulder at all times doesn't doesn't necessarily produce the most amount of creativity and and good work, right? Like even if you're doing your job, even if you're doing everything, you know, as you should, it just creates this paranoia that nobody really needs in this world. Yeah. And you yeah. you know, you'd have thought the consequences of that are that if if the, the the good people who know that's going on, the the people who want to feel a sense of trust and feeling empowered and autonomous to do their their kind of best work, are essentially just going to leave, I'd have thought. They're not going to yeah. They have the opportunity they'll they'll go and find another organization where that that does exist or where that doesn't exist i should say and they're able to really kind of be in a much better environment so so yeah you know i i I find it difficult to build a justification for any sort of boss way i'm afraid yes yes i agree i agree and we all know that creative moments happen in many different places that are not on your screen and are not on your keyboard so how do you again if unless you're in my brain and have some sort of monitoring device in my head it's very hard to track all of the productivity that happens sometimes in the middle of the night. I'll, I'll dig it out, but I did see a bit of a headline at the recent kind of Davos conference this year that somebody, a futurist was talking about, as you'd suggested, the fact that the next form of bossware will be some sort of wearable that is able to access our brainwaves and give us a sense of, of what we're thinking about, which I, I could... Again, whole future episode in terms of just what the potential implications of that could be. So not something yes. to look forward to. No, for sure <laughs> not. <laughs> for sure not. Demi, with uh, you, you have any thoughts in terms of what would be kind of a couple of takeaways here in terms of what HR leaders should be thinking about when it comes to they're being pushed by their leaders to to think about introducing some sort of spyware or bossware? Any any guidance you give to people? So my very first question would be why? So if leaders are coming to me asking for bossware or spyware, I would say, what is the outcome you're looking to achieve by introducing this, this tool? And just making sure that if it is for a development purpose, that it's used for that and that there is no implication whatsoever or repercussions on someone's performance evaluation or whatever the case is. So really coaching towards development as opposed to evaluation. I would also say, you know, from a leadership perspective, then asking, then figuring out why why leaders aren't able to or don't want to behave in a more macro way. So so this is a this is to me a 
a, a clear example of micromanagement. We saw a great article recently on the term macromanagement, which I really, really like and hope that one goes viral. Well, including included in the show notes, but it gives a very short quiz to figure out whether you are a macromanager or a micromanager, which I quite enjoyed. So really getting underneath, you know, what is it about your team's performance, your team's effectiveness, or your lack of trust in people that's leading to you wanting to introduce this type of spyware. I would, I would avoid it at all cost. Unless, for, unless, like we mentioned, it's it's used for a very specific reason to help coach or develop at scale. But it, ha- it has to be used with caution, for sure. What about you? Yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. I, I agree with all of that. I think the kind of consideration for me is, again, what, what, are, what, what are people and, and maybe even leaders using this as a bit of a crutch to avoid dealing with? And it feels like it's avoiding leaders setting clear expectations. So so like you, I love the term macro management. I, I remember a, a phrase you've often used in the past when it comes to setting expectations of being kind of tight, loose, tight. So mm-hmm. tight in terms of setting what the expectations are, loose in terms of giving people the sense of freedom that they find the right way of of meeting those expectations, but then also tight in terms of holding them accountable. And that's always kind of resonated with me as as an approach, you know, both as a leader and, you know, I remember using that in coaching with people when they're struggling to to think about how to to work through that. But not many people are very good at that holding accountable bit. And so I think that's, you know, it, rather than introducing bossware, I'd be trying to understand how good we are at, you know, kind of managing performance. How good are we at setting expectations, giving people that clarity, giving them that sense of freedom, and then being able to hold them accountable and, as you mentioned, that kind of developmental feedback and the coaching so that people can continue to get better. And I think if you you embed that into the organization, which is one of those easy say, hard do things, then I think you'll make a lot of progress, much more progress than introducing some crazy software into the system for sure. So, Agreed. Agreed. Cool. Well, we are agreed. If anybody does have the case for Bossware or any suppliers out there who are interested in kind of exploring it with us, then feel free to get in touch. Otherwise, we hope that's useful and do feel free to give us any feedback on any experiences that you've had. So let's move into feel good. Naomi, here we are at nearly the end of March, which is crazy. What is your feel good? What are you feeling good about today? I'm feeling good that April Fool's Day is a couple of days away. And I always love to see what the kids have in store. They always have some clever ideas, usually not pranking me, usually pranking my husband. So I look forward to seeing what they have in store in a couple of days. What about you, Mark? Well, pressure's on next week for us to find out what they did um, <laughs> so we can kind of explore that. That'd be excellent. Yeah, I always forget that it's April Fool's, which often means that I am caught out through something on the news or or some silly prank, but we're not usually as inventive as we could be on that. The probably more important thing for me and my timeline is that it's Sarah's birthday tomorrow. So we have, I have a day off work and we have some fun activities planned, which I can't share with you because they are a surprise for her. So, so yeah, looking forward to having that day with her to celebrate her birthday. So happy uh, birthday, Sarah. Yeah. Happy birthday. Well, thank you everybody. Great to be with you as always this week. Look forward to connecting you, connecting with you next week. If anybody has any feedback on topics, if you want to leave a review or share this podcast with a friend, then we would be very grateful. Thank you so much, everyone. Take care. Thanks for listening to Foresight. If you enjoyed the episode, we would love to hear from you. Leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. 
Your ratings and reviews also help more people like you find our show so that we can reach more future forward leaders and achieve our mission of making work better. Follow us on Instagram and LinkedIn at Future Forward and sign up for our weekly newsletter, Foresight, on our website, futureforward.com. That's F-U-T-U-R-E-F-O-H-R-W-A-R-D.com, where we share even more about the new world of work. Talk to you next week.